years. Lynn, Lynn is a saint. Those cookies were amazing. Um, How's Twix? Not of approval. Yeah, Twix is good. Twix, Twix is always is good. good. It's good to find. It's hard to find good chocolate here. Yeah, and this is the sponsorship section. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Rolls is Written. Welcome to Rolls is Written. <laughs> it's Wham Wham Wazzle. <laughs> Still working on the catchphrase. The D&D podcast where we tell you the rules is written and how we interpret them. Yeah, which is now law. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have made an agreement with Wizards of the Coast and whatever is on this podcast is now the official and only way to play D&D. Yeah, don't ask them. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our final episode on skills. But we've only got one more. One more block of skills left. What is it? Oh, but it's a big one, Tobes. It's a biggie. Yeah, so what we have right now is charisma. And uh, the roleplay stat. This is sometimes known. a fun one for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that like charisma is a good one, especially for players that like like the roleplay aspect. Like I feel me. everyone has a proficiency in a charisma stat. Almost every character has a proficiency. A lot of people will choose to do that unless you're like a wizard. Even wizards, even if they have a low charisma, they'll be like, yeah, but I want to be an intimidating wizard. Oh, fair enough. I feel like people are just kind of drawn to having one of these. I think the big three is deception, intimidation, and persuasion, but we'll get through them all. Yeah. So the first one, what's a little preamble for charisma? A charisma check might arise when you, I'm quoting the book if that wasn't clear. I. That's your quite voice. <laughs> a charisma check might arise when you try to influence or entertain others, when you try to make an impression or tell a convincing lie, or when you are navigating a tricky social situation. So it is really the roleplay stat. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. What's the first one we got? Well, the most fun one, deception. Deceiving. When yeah. does that come up? When, when do I make you do deception checks? These ones are like exactly when you would think, like when you want to tell a convincing lie to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, in the book, it says hide the truth verbally or through your actions, or that's a key one as well. Yeah, mislead through ambiguity. We talked a bit about this when we talked about sleight of hand. You could also put that as a deception check, depending mm. on what you're doing, depending on how you're trying to deceive. Mm. So they're kind of also linked. There's always a lot of overlap between stats. There's a big old gray area. With these stats, mm -hmm. these skills, more so than others, what's like the hard and fast rule when using them against other, or with other players? Like if I want to deceive another player into something, like, you know, I feel like the stereotype might be the rogue who has found a little bit something extra in the treasure trove <laughs> and doesn't want to share it with everybody, right? Yeah. Would you ever have them roll deception to hide this thing? I think like there's a not. few ways you can do it. Some play groups have, you can't use these checks against other people because mm. it just leads to feels bad for yeah. some groups, which is entirely fair enough. I think the way I would do that specific scenario to take that one is because we use phones during our game to message me secret things. If I have a secret message I need to send to a player, we just text each other yeah. um, secret information and players will text me secret information as well. So the rogue could message me information as I'm going through the loot table. Oh, I want to try and like pocket a little more. And then I would have them roll a deception check against others passive perception. Mm. That would be probably the cleanest way to do it. Intuitive way to do it maybe. So trying to figure out a way so that IRL 
that other people don't know what yeah. they've done. Yeah, if you can trust your players not to metagame, which is easier said than done. But yeah, like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have, we've got, we've had a rogue in our group and she blurts out what she wants to do very loudly. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think our group treats it pretty well. They yeah. just, they just won't know. It's very clear with that if they're metagaming or not. I think that's a very clear metagaming issue. Okay. So would deception only be involved for things that are knowingly hiding the truth and like knowingly leading to ambiguity and misleading somebody? Or can it also be for like, if you are just avoiding the truth or like walking, like talking like a politician, you know? I think you could role play that. Mm. I think talking like a politician is part of the role play fun. Yeah. Being like, I haven't not maybe never seen that particular ring before. Yeah, but we all hate the dwarves. <laughs> right? That's all 2020 humor. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think when it goes from bending the truth to outright deception is when I'll be like, okay, I think you need to roll a deception check now. Right. Roll that against their insight. You can also, if you really want to focus on your characters, you can also roll off deception against insight between your party members. So that's interesting. So you roll against their insight, not against their other charisma traits or anything like that. Like with the other- Yeah, abilities. I mean, insight is literally finding out if people's are lying. Yeah. <laughs> if people are lying. So that's a pretty cut and dry one. Okay. The next one we have is intimidation. As the barbarian stat. <laughs> yeah, the in barbarian the barbarian stat, the warlock stat. <laughs> in the picture in the player's handbook, it has a picture of what it looks like a very gruff man holding the helmet down of a of a poor city guard and just berating him. Kids these days. Yeah. What is this? What does Waterdeep come to? <laughs> Yeah, so in the rules is written, intimidation is when you attempt to influence somebody through over threats, hostile actions, and physical violence. Physical violence, interesting. So yeah. you can do an attack that's- Well, it's, it's threats of physical violence, isn't it? Uh, through threats, comma, hostile actions, comma, and physical violence. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I have used it like that, I guess. If you- You hit somebody scarily. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you've got a load of kobolds that are trying to like steal all your food, your scraps while you're camping, and you just like smash one of them into the ground, you can turn to the others and say, roll intimidation check to run away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Leave my jerky alone. <laughs> so I guess if you choose to do something in a scary way. Yeah, it's something you, you have to preface. Because mm. otherwise, roll initiative, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're level 14 barbarian against three kobolds. Yes, yeah, that feels like a way that you might try to avoid combat altogether. Yeah, definitely, it is at its core, but it can backfire. If you're trying to intimidate someone, someone can take it as a slight or a challenge or something like that, mm. and you can end up instigating combat. Mm. Is instigating the right word? Yeah. Initiating. Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He looks. He looks this so is disappointed. D &D. In this me. is a D and D podcast, not a grammar podcast. Da I'm gonna put that in the description <laughs> of every episode. Yeah, fight us in the comments. So intimidation. I think that is a real tough one to do against other players. Oh yeah, man. I can imagine what that would be like trying. Have to... Have you had any experience with it? No. Well, in the few games that I've. 
DM'd. I, I went over like the just hard and fast rule. You can't roll anything against another player. Okay, uh, I feel like that's, that's just one way to do it. It's just an easier, yeah, an easier time. Especially if you've got people who are kind of new to D and D as well. Yeah, it just sets kind of like a good precedent. Yeah, people come into D and D with the kind of video game mindset of you are the main character or the movie mindset of I'm yeah. the hero of the story. Yeah, when you're actually just playing a part, that is a good rule to have. I can see with more experienced players, especially people who like have a really good relationship with each other, like yeah. especially like people who are really into role playing. Yeah, and then again, like a session zero type thing where you're like all kind of on the same page with this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you've you've role-played being intimidated a fair few times. We have a necromancer who's very, uh, very sparky. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've, as a big barbarian, have role-played being intimidated a little well, that's, bit. Well, yeah, that's my whole character thing is that I, I like being uh, I'm a stereotypical barbarian, except I'm the opposite personality-wise. Yeah, the barbarian with the heart of gold. Yeah, and very, very scared of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's that's just good role-playing, really. It's cool. Can you have an enemy who intimidates you through, like, a skill check, not, like, an ability? Not really through a skill check. I don't mm. know of... I mean, there's probably one. I don't know of any um, beasts that use explicit intimidation checks. Most of them will be a fear aura, like dragons have their fear aura that can cause you the fear. Yeah, but that's just like a DC whatever saving throw. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. That's how it kind of plays out. I think, again, that kind of comes down to the, the roleplay aspect. Not many people want to be roleplaying being scared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've seen how that kind of um, yeah. Yeah, carries out yeah. when somebody has the big bad fight against the big bad guy and then it's like, <laughs> oh, but like round one, you shit your pants and run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the fear aura is the way that D&D handles that. Yeah. But some people will completely stat out other characters like a DMPC mm. and they'll have an intimidation check. I've never done it, so I can't really say I've got any experience for it. Okay. The next one is performance. These last two actually are the more bardy kind of ones. Yeah, definitely. They're the more friendly. Yeah. They're, they're the good signs of this coin. Yeah. Performance seems very straightforward. It says, determines how well you can delight an audience with music, dance, acting, storytelling, or some other form of entertainment. However, we've also used performance for other things, like if you want to do something but a little bit more stylistically or trying to impress somebody in a yeah. certain way. If you're trying to perform. Be... If yeah. Trying, <laughs> if you're trying to impress someone. I've also used it because the way it's written, it sounds like it should only be if you are doing the thing in the moment, if you are singing the song. But I've also used it for if you're writing a eulogy for someone that's going to be carved into stone somewhere in place. I may make a performance check. I think it makes a lot of sense to have a performance because you're you're performing through the stone, through the medium. You're trying to entertain or make people cry or like whatever you're trying to do. You're just trying to do it to people in the future. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's the kind of way. Maybe that's because I'm a musician, so <laughs> <laughs> so I've got that spin on it. Yeah, um, it comes out in the editing of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I think performance can be a bit more nuanced than some DMs use. Yeah, there's a lot of like outside of text uses of performance as well. Yeah. Then there's persuasion. Uh, persuasion is when you attempt to influence somebody or a group of people with tact, social graces, or good nature. Mm -hmm. This is something that I also use quite a bit. I think everyone does. Yeah. Everyone wants 
a king to give them a cast. <laughs> yes. So uh, this can be something like I've seen it very straightforward. Just trying to convince somebody, like the whole you know win friends and influence others types of things. Get somebody it's, to like It's the you. horny bard stat. The horny bard stat, yeah. sure. But it can also be used for something like a speech, like to be able yeah, to definitely. move a crowd. Yeah. There's a lot more. Again, I used the word before, but nuanced kind of low-key ways to do it. It doesn't have to be like, hey, come to bed with me. It can also be like, hey, let's build a democracy. <laughs> Just as sexy. <laughs> you, me, and the rest of civilization, baby. <laughs> yeah, so what else does it have in the book? For well, before we move on, actually, I wanted to kind of also touch on the fact that since these are all very role-play heavy abilities, they're markedly different from the other skill checks that you'll use. Everything else, like especially the kind of investigation type of skill checks that are always rolled or something where you're trying to like figure something out or discover something, these can much more involve the player actually doing something. Role-playing. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you do in different circumstances when, because different people have different ways of role-playing and like different ways of trying to do this. Some people might just want to say, I want to persuade them of this. Other people might say exactly what they would say in character. Mm. And some people might actually even do performance. Some people have brought instruments <laughs> to do different yeah. performances. That's always fun. Play hot cross buns for a crowd of, <laughs> <laughs> of villagers. So yeah. how does that affect these checks? I know that in the text, itself there's not any bits on roleplay in particular but I think that there's a lot here. The way that I've always handled them is firstly you've got to make sure your players are confident. Some players the difference between active as you say ah oh, give me a grog of ale uh, a grog of ale? What the fuck was that? Yeah, two, make that two grogs. <laughs> One grog, ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's active, but I go to the bartender and I say, in my drunken stupor, give me a grog of ale. <laughs> that's passive. You've got to make sure that your players are comfortable with how they're doing it. Some people like to have that barrier up, and there's totally nothing wrong with that. This is kind of area to escape from the shit times that is 2020. Yes. <laughs> Some people just prefer to be a passive kind of player, and that's totally okay. I encourage active players and I think when you are in a group with a lot of other active players people come out of their shells you always make sure that they know that it's perfectly okay to just be a kind of passive role player and some people use passive as like a dirty word like you're not participating enough but fuck that noise yeah so I prefer to have active players both are okay if someone wants to stand up and actually give the speech I'll give inspiration dice for that because I mean that's that's just extra stuff if someone's gone that extra mile then awesome cool I'd also try and balance it out with the more kind of, with the more introverted players. Um, obviously, don't just have one person getting all the inspiration dice just because they are the loudest person. Yeah, be room. relative to their like own comfort zones. Yeah, definitely. If they're a really quiet person, you've got a really quiet person in your group, and they stand up and they do a little bit of active role playing in the moment. Fuck yeah, have a fucking D10 inspiration <laughs> dice. I use different inspiration dice. In the rules, it's only D6s, but yeah. I, I give out all kinds of inspiration dice. I think that's pretty important. Again, okay. as we've said a million times, Sometimes D&D is a feels good game. Do what feels good. Also, I think that how you describe what you're doing might change how difficult the goal is to achieve. Oh right? yeah, definitely. A, a kind of simple example is if you come in covered in blood, stinking as shit from your adventurer and you try and like 
chat up the barmaid. It's going to be a little harder than if you uh, <laughs> go clean off, put on some nice clothes, yeah. go and talk eloquently. If you role play yourself uh, being drunk and loud, then people aren't going to be as open to your persuasion, your propositions. Like maybe you want to get a load of mercenaries to join you on your next adventure. Yeah. If you're absolutely wasted and falling under the table, they're not going to respect you. They're not going to listen to you as much as they might if you just have a calm sit down. And sometimes that's cool. Sometimes that's fun. That's fun. You don't have to min max the whole thing you yeah. can just have a stupid time and it's great <laughs> yeah we're all here for having stupid times <laughs> together exactly so the spellcasting ability is of bards paladins weirdly sorcerers and warlocks it's got the most spellcasters tied to it i think that's the weirdest bit though right like if i was yeah. going to be like bards i want to play i want to play some fantasy game where i want to like cast a bunch of spells and be a magic kind of guy mm. i'm not thinking of the charismatic super, you know, sociable Well, charisma, and this is an important thing charisma isn't just your social stat, I think it's how you interact with other beings how savvy you are in almost every interaction, in the same way that it's got persuasion and intimidation under its umbrella. So, kind of like it, your EQ yeah, basically. So bards, I mean, that's obvious. They're mm. like, I think that's a pretty good fit. Paladins, I think you can cut it with how on good terms they are with their god. So it's like a relationship stat for them. Yeah. Um, warlocks, that also makes sense. Sorcerers is the one thing I don't, because sorcerers are flavored as they have this intrinsic power. They're born with magic for the most part. Yeah, they don't have to convince anybody that they have magic. Yeah, um, I'm not sure why sorcerers have charisma. That always felt a bit weird to me. Yeah, wizards of the coast. Wisdom, maybe? Uh, yeah. We have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> right, write us back. <laughs> you can find us at Gary Gygax. Uh, where you at? at gmailhot.co.eu. We don't have a domain yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much all the skills check. The last thing we'll tack on at the end is saving throws, because it's next in the book. Oh, uh, we still have some other checks, though, that we can go through. Oh, uh, this charisma? Yeah. Yeah, so there's, with the other charisma checks, you can have something like finding the best person to talk to for news, rumors, and gossip, mm -hmm. and blending into a crowd to get the sense of key topics of conversation. Those are also kind of weird things to throw in there. I guess yeah. the gossip I think the first one, one you could have as investigation. Would seem even like insight. It right? Like trying to find who's the best person to talk to. Actually talking to them sounds like the charisma stat, but yeah. finding them sounds like, yeah. I suppose you could cut it like, oh, you want to find out news about the castle? Maybe someone you're looking for someone who has the castle's insignia and that would a social thing to know, I guess, like being in the know. Okay, so maybe? like gossip knowledge, like I guess, yeah. yeah I like, still don't like it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, social knowledge, I guess that's yeah. the way to spin it. Yeah, but um, I think those, even those those two could probably fall into another skill check, to be honest. And then blend into a crowd, that also sounds like kind of a stealth. Thing. Well, it's got the second bit, hasn't it? Blend yeah. into a crowd to find gossip. I don't yeah. think it's to hide, yeah. but uh, yeah, it, it really depends on your intention to find gossip as well. But then even that might just be perception, right? Like listening yeah, you for- could cut that, yeah. I think also if you're coming to a point where you're in a tavern and it's like, I roll to find gossip, I think you've reached some dead ends <laughs> in your plot threads. Oh, we are guilty. <laughs> 
guilty. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe maybe have the drunken sailor come up and say, have you heard about the lich? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Have you heard about the latest plot line? (laughs) Oh, it's not too far. (laughs) Just down the road, my turnips. (laughs) They have some kind of turnip lich. (laughs) Okay, so the very last thing again, saving throws. Saving throws are super simple. You roll a d20, you add the stat that you're rolling. If you're rolling a dexterity saving throw, you add your dexterity modifier. And if you are proficient, which is in the little box above skills, you should have a little dot if you're proficient, add your proficiency. So first of all though, like what is a saving throw? When would you use one? A saving throw is when someone is trying to do something to you. You're trying to save your skin, your moral standing, Mm. or your psyche in some way. So you're trying to avoid harm. Yeah, so the, the, a very easy one is a dexterity saving throw. Something's a boulder's rolling towards you. Dexterity saving throw to jump out of the way. But you could have a charisma saving throw. Maybe you make some kind of social faux pas. And mm. It's like, oh, this could be really bad. Everyone's laughing at you. Charisma saving throw. And you roll really high. And it's like, oh, everyone laughs it off. And you're okay. You roll really low. Oh, and you also have don't have any trousers on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you forgot one? your pants today. <laughs> and your test is due. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, saving throws, I mean, we're gonna come to those a lot, but that's how you do saving throws. I'm sure we'll touch on them again. Yeah, um, that's a big one. In the episodes coming, they'll pop up all the time. But I think that's it for this episode. Cool. The whole episode on charisma. Signing off. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Like us on Patreon. (laughs) Yeah, stay warm out there or just stay inside with indoor heating. (laughs) 